That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome. I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the minute. A minute-by-minute rewatch of Dawn of Justice. It's getting better with each minute, and we are just over half an hour into the film. We are approaching now minute 35. We have left Kahina Ziri beginning her message to Superman. I guess her message to the Man of Steel being received by Clark Kent shirtless in his apartment. Yeah. Probably not. I mean, if she could actually look him in the eye right now, she would probably be distracted. Possibly. I'm amazed we made it 35 minutes without talking about the the musculature of our leading man here, but um, yeah, we will have plenty more. Especially because we've already had a scene where his shirt was off too. Yeah, but that was that was about love, you know. We we were in the <laughs> in the mindset of the scene. It wasn't appropriate to you know that was for Lois. This is for us. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but enough of enough of looking at Henry Cavill's muscles. Um, let's look Superman in the eye. To look him in his eye and ask him how he decides which lives count and which ones do not. We finally get the second half of that sentence, which is probably the central question coming out of Man of Steel, and I think we referred to it with Jonathan Kent, now framed again to Kahina Ziri, where she says, I would look Superman in the eye and ask him which lives count and which ones do not. I think we mentioned before how it seemed like Clark was now listening, and yeah. I think this drives home why he's left staring is he's – it looks to, to me like he's thinking, you know, crap, this is the question my father didn't have the answer to, and I don't have the answer to, and the momentum is building, and I'm going to have to figure it out. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's one of the places where it's really cool the kind of sequel this is to Man of Steel. Yeah. And I think we talked about that before, how people don't really think of it as clearly as a sequel because of the, because of the, the franchise structures you have now with like Avengers. So they felt like this is like, oh, this is like Iron Man 1 was Man of Steel jumping straight into like an Avengers or a Civil War with BVS. But really this is, this is a direct follow up to that. And so seeing Superman is now grappling with that question that his dad had to grapple with, you know, in that infamous scene. Yeah. It's really cool to see that be like a, a larger, a continued struggle that he has to f- determine yeah. as a hero. And that is the, it's a conclusion of that scene. I think it's also interesting to consider that question of who do you save and who do you not only becomes a more complicated question when we find out how much he has been trying to do and how many people he has been trying to save, which is what we cut to in, I guess, we know this is Wallace O'Keefe's uh, apartment in front or of Keefe. his... Wallace... O'Keefe or Keefe? I can't remember. Wallace Vernon Keefe. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I think you're, you're confusing him with Jack O'Dwyer. Oh, yeah, and Wally O. West. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he has... What's Wally West's middle name? Uh, Rudolph? Okay. I, I, like, I hope, jeez, <laughs> or that came out of nowhere. I hope it was Rudy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we are shown that Wallace has become something of an obsessive. Um, we, I guess, we can just kind of like wrap it up. It ends with him kind of um, 
making it clear that he has lost his wife and his daughter in the yeah. Metropolis tax. It wasn't just his legs that he's lost and he's going to work. But I think the real star oh, of this is the so board. So you think it's – so you're saying that, that they actually died in the attack? Ooh, good question. I always interpreted that as – It cost him them, yeah. It, him going crazy. Hmm kind of pushed them away like his his obsession lost them oh that's dark man yeah geez okay um now i'm now i'm trying to trace back throughout the rest of the movie because i think he i think he says i think he might say later my wife left me maybe i'm making that up well we will find out when we get to that minute that's a yeah geez. That's a, put a pin in that that's that's incredibly dark either way <laughs> yeah exactly i think that i really like you pointing out the transition there because I don't think I ever made that connection, which obviously we're supposed to make that literally they transition like on the line, right? Of which how he determines how he decides which lives count. And and then they pan across a wall that I wrote down a few of the headlines and it's kind of crazy how they're wild. Just all over the place, right? He saves he's a missile strike. The one that always sticks up for me is a starving homeless man in the woods. He saves a uh, – oh, no, it's got Bruce Wayne saves an employee from rubble. Something about a heroic Superman rescue. Local tragedy escaped. Um, Superman yep. pulls a, a children and a bus out of rapids, which I thought was really poignant considering the similar nice. situation in Man of Steel where he, he couldn't do it as openly. Yeah. There's, a, there's an illustration of him smashing a car, which is a – facsimile of his appearance in action comics yeah um oh here we go superman shifts tectonic plate is on there superman foils crime uh something about a super germ superman so anyway there's you almost wonder if i love all those as headlines and like easter eggs but you almost wonder if like maybe some of those should have been like mentioned in news broadcasts or something just to kind of because i think that is a really fascinating point that like it's not just that he's kind of been around and being a hero, but there's a lot of like kind of cr- like he's got a these are all headlines, right? So like he's he has hypothetically, you could say a lot of the events of Superman the movie happened. Sure. Like in this because that sounds like very similar to like one thing after another. Doesn't he do something similar there? Yep. Pulls it, saves a calf from a tree. Yeah. I think we get it in Superman Returns. They drive that home too that he's back and he's everywhere. He's doing everything. It does make me feel for him a bit because that that reframes the line that – or what Kahina is saying and him listening. It's making him realize that he's missed something or that yeah. he is missing things that are human things as opposed to saving some super germ outbreak that might end the human race. Exactly. Well, and it puts into perspective what when like Lois says what they're saying. He's like, I don't care what they're saying. It's like, well, why should he? Look yeah. at all these headlines. <laughs> that they don't like, care if, about. If she's yeah. like, Clark, they're saying that you're, you know, you need to pay attention. He's like, I, 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 I am seeing what they're saying. They're saying that, you know, and, and Bruce later references um, puff piece editorials about Superman. Yeah. So every so time think he, there's yep. all these headlines and every time he saves a cat from a tree. Yep. And so. So, yeah, so he lives in this world where he's constantly saving people and the media is saying, you know, look at Superman shifted a tectonic plate. Superman destroyed a super germ. Um, so, it's you know, that's very comic book Superman, too. It's not just he's punching out bank robbers. Yeah. It's he's he's like, you know, impossible halting feats. biological warfare. And um, anyway, so we don't need to obsess over every single one. But I just think that's a fascinating yeah. kind of thing to draw out of him, especially leading out of that voiceover of which lives count and which don't. Yeah, what I'm I'm missing something or I am Yeah. Uh, ironically yeah. leading also into the Wallace Keefe 
building something. I mean, it's like a Unabomber, like, sort of... It's intense. You know, what is he making here? It looks like, you know, we find out later that it's it's um, maybe not quite as intense as it looks, <laughs> because it looks like he's making some sort of an improvised explosive or something. Yeah. At least that's what I kind of got from it. Yeah. Less, less thrilling, I guess. So then yeah, the, you talked about the, the photograph. I also thought was a really interesting call out, because I had to go back and rewatch it a couple times to catch the the cut that they make there oh yeah yeah i thought it was a match cut at first but it's not it's literally just he pulls up the photograph and then it cuts to him at the monument looking down at it but because of the angle and like the color you don't notice until he looks up and i that's just a really cool elegant transition yeah yeah it's a beautiful transition and i I did just notice it this time he moves the yeah he moves the photo away from the camera and i was like oh like you i was like oh i must have missed they must have cut there and I didn't catch it. But um, I think the minute ends with him kind of wheeling under this gigantic statue of Superman in yeah. a pose that is both, I guess it is meant to communicate God reaching down to people. Yeah. But it's almost like the, the, is it the Sistine Chapel where it's um, with, with yeah. God to David and, and the idea of a God offering a hand up. But there is also something about it that is very, maybe it's just that it's from Wallace's perspective, but there is something very um, strange. Like, I guess it kind of goes to the story that is being told here is if the statue is supposed to communicate a kind, warm, benevolent God, it's it's conveying something a lot more complicated, it feels like, to me anyway. Yeah, well, I've been watching The Boys on Amazon Prime, and it's a really sort of interesting juxtaposition in in the light of kind of what that's doing, where you take something that you have this image of this hero, like Superman, but then you kind of you flip the perspective of that to yeah. imagine if you're Wallace Keefe looking at it, and he sees that as an entirely different... Also, right before that, after he's looking at the photograph and it cuts to a wide shot, I noticed that he's wheeling across on the ground where it says the heroes. And I think it's like the heroes of Metropolis yeah. or something. But what you can see in this shot is just the heroes and he's on top of that. Yeah. And I don't think I noticed that before. And I don't know that it's something like a huge sort of deep reference or anything. But for the first time, I kind of wondered how much of his sort of motivation comes from survivor's guilt, which is like a really, that's a really common thing from, like it was a big thing, like for nine eleven and and any sort of large scale event where like the people who who make it out almost feel like they're they aren't supposed to be, or like they owe it to like there's a highest like suicide yeah. rate with them and stuff because they feel like they're not like they don't deserve to be here because other people aren't and so especially with him I think maybe feels like it's his it's not just that Superman took all this from him no but it's his responsibility also, like, to to yeah kind of, as yeah. As someone who should have died like all those other people, he bears the burden of having to be the one to fix it. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good, uh, shift into his, like, view. I guess we get his literal perspective, but I think it works to make, if this statue is white marble, it, it conveys a different thing. If, uh, yeah. If it is a sunshiny day, it is a very different thing that it, that it conveys. This is, um, a weird gray that he lives in. And fittingly, we are moving into a gray perspective of Superman because he has just realized that he is screwing up or failing to see things. And then we cut to what is going to be like one of the biggest things that he fails to see. Yeah. And Bruce, I guess we, we, we find that later that 
Batman also. I believe, I think people pointed it out on, on social media at the time that there is a, a three of clubs tucked in on the wall of, of Wallace's apartment among everything else, which is, I know it is used in fiction broadly to represent, um, you know, like a suggestion of supernatural or something that is not what it appears, but looking into it, it, it generally, uh, you know, in, in card, symbolism and readings and all of that three of clubs can represent a loss of trust confidence being broken uh resentment which is all pretty pretty clear but then among magic and sleight of hand it can often be used as kind of an inside joke to indicate that the cards have been forced so the hand or card that someone has been dealt they might think is random but when it is revealed to be the three of clubs it is for anyone who knows what is actually going on. They know that that person has been set up. Oh, interesting. Which is a really cool addition there for anybody who, because I suppose if you, if you know that and you catch it, you, that would almost let you in on a lot of what is happening here. Well, do you want to know another, another fun fact about the three of clubs? Oh, please. Larry Fong likes to stick the three of clubs card in movies that he shoots. Nice. Cause he's a, um, he's a magician. What an inside joke. Yeah, and so um so I know I don't know if it's every one of his movies, but I know it's a lot. I just did a quick Google and I and I found a tweet from him um saying he hit a three of clubs in Kong Skull Island. Well played, Mr. Fong. Good spot for it too. It's upside down and tucked to the side, so it's not announcing itself. I would I would invite people to to pause the frames of, of those newspapers because not to do like the article reading, but the the headline that was I believe it is Superman rescues a starving homeless man in the forest which <laughs> so clearly demands so much explanation for what to, to bruce's point later um i don't really know how that story becomes publishable in a way that isn't a puff piece <laughs> or yeah clark kent is like he's like didn't anyone hear about superman saving the homeless guy i thought that one was pretty crazy we should write that up why aren't we covering this <laughs> the moments that we leave in suspense are so good clark staring at his television is pretty good but i feel like wallace for the next however many days will just be sitting yeah. in his chair looking up which for people listening to this might be seconds so yeah that is where we leave it i guess we don't actually know what he's going to do. He's just gazing up at the finger as this minute ends. Yeah, well, he's uh, he is about to meet Lex. Whoa. Whoa. Speaking of fingers. <laughs> we, we didn't mention in the previous minute how obnoxiously massive Henry Cavill was and I think we only prove we only show it in like one or two shots in Man of Steel to kind of get the point across. And in this movie, this might be the only time. Honestly, I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about this, I honestly we are feel talking, like he's, oh yeah. he like he's slimmed down a little bit. He definitely got V'd out. Like his waist is itty bitty in those. Um, yeah, yeah, that's exactly he. He's it's not that he's not massive because he's he is massive, but he's not. Uh, I'm trying. He's he's closer to like a Hugh Jackman than a Tom Hardy. Whereas, okay, like, I felt yes. like what I always think of in Man of Steel is that, sh that scene where he he comes out of the ocean and goes and steals the clothes Steven, off that's, the clothesline. That's line. what we all think of when we think <laughs> of Man of Steel. And um, and he's just he's he's thick in that scene, yeah. just like up and down. He is. I don't know how a person could be that big. Yeah. And and here, like, like his pecs are still that big, but his like you said, v, like his waist is like yeah. Definitely... Lois introduced him to Pilates. 
Well, yeah, before he met Lois, all he did was just every day was, was, uh, was just lifting, just power lifting, just nothing but power lifting. And then he met Lois and she's like, dude, you got to do some cardio. You got to eat some vegetables. Yeah. I do. I remember because that was obviously to, to do it in Man of Steel to get the point across. Like, we need to sell this Superman. This guy needs to look like even no superhero actor has looked like. Mm -hmm. I still think that holds up even in the face of the the Chris Hemsworths and the Chris Evans, et cetera. Um, Because like you said, he's just a tank when he comes onto screen. So at this point- there's something else, uh, and I don't know exactly what it is, and no disrespect to Chris Hemsworth, because that dude is a monster. Yeah. But I I feel like with Chris Hemsworth, it feels like he doesn't have to work as hard for it, if that (laughs) makes sense. Like, I feel like he was kind of born that way. Which is not true because I've seen him skinny also, but there's something about Cavill's size that is just more like yeah, shocking almost. Where yeah, it's just I think, how can a human work so hard to look that way? Yeah, Chris Chris Hemsworth is um this is minute thirty five Hemsworth v Cavill, <laughs> but you you get the impression that he is a big guy. Yeah. So it would make sense for him to look like that. Whereas with Henry Cavill, it was like, no, we need to make you so thick, like you said, with muscle that people are genuinely like, oh my God, that's Superman I'm looking at. Yeah. And I appreciate that in this movie, they felt like, okay, we can dial it back because people have been sold now. And yet still, when that shot happened in the theater, I think I like laughed and like threw a hand up like, oh, he's just, he casually looks like someone has inserted a bike pump into every one of his major muscle groups <laughs> and just gone up for a while and was like, this is just him, you know, casual, well, hanging like, around the It's apartment. like a character creator in like any game ever where you're like, <laughs> am I, is it wrong to make my character that muscly? Like, yeah, or can yeah. I just, like comparing him to Hugh Jackman, I feel like isn't even really necessarily fair because what Hugh Jackman does even is is different because he's not nearly so lean and like sinewy as yeah, yeah. as Jackman would get. He's still he looks normal like in the face. Yeah, you know? I think that's what I think that's what it is. Is he looks like he's casually that big? He the the character creator is perfect. Henry Cavill is like Zack Snyder sat down and was like, I want him to look like fable 2 with all of the muscles and no clothes on <laughs> so it's like <laughs> the fable 2 is the perfect the perfect because that's, <laughs> that's exactly the, i wasn't thinking of that ex- explicitly but now that you mention it i recall making my character in that and being like well it looks more normal to have him lower but like i have the option of like why would you even give me that option yeah. like just make him that muscle like what I'm, like i'm gonna like i'm gonna make him skinnier than necessary it looks like um gaston trained for the olympics well and i talked to um Nick McKinless, the guy who played Ares in Justice League. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a the whole fiasco about that where he's credited for stunts, but not for the, the character of Ares. But but when you see a brief shot of him, that, that's who it is. And it gave me some interesting insight into sort of how Snyder works with it, even for small characters. Because they met to work out, like, the character design. He met with a stunt coordinator, uh, Eunice Hutart, stepped in for, for Damon Caro on Justice League. Yeah. And he met with them to not only like figure out the costume and everything, but also the physical look. And what Zach told him that he wanted for Ares was he wanted him to look like like a Greek god. And so the the look that he defined was skin like paper, veins like worms. That's the that's the the line that sticks in my memory. Yeah, it's like yep. seared into my brain. Is Zach Snyder saying I want you to have skin like paper and veins like worms? Yeah. And you don't even need to look at the picture of the guy and you know what that means. And then you look at the picture and you're like, he did it. Like he got down to 6% body fat and, uh, and then he didn't get credited. <laughs> um, which, you know, has got a, if I got down to six, if I, if I put in the work to look that way and then didn't get 
didn't get credited the way I thought I was going to, I would be pissed too. But um, anyway, that's that's a whole other story. The, the point is, after talking to him and kind of learning about how Snyder does that process, I can't, every time I see Cavill, I've got to wonder like how he... I, I gotta be, be a fly on the wall and imagine that conversation between Snyder and Cavill where he's just like, look, you need to look like you're the biggest dude ever, but you're just that way because you're Kryptonian, not because like the vein, the skin like paper veins like worms doesn't work here because that looks like you're, you worked too hard to yeah, get there. And it's not Chris Evans coming out of the tube in Captain America either, where it's like, his muscle groups have exploded. With with Cavill, it's like, oh, he just became... But it's also not like... And maybe that's the thing about Hemsworth also, that like Hemsworth looks like he like he lifts. Whereas like Cavill, like you said, it looks like, like unnaturally that way, but naturally also. Anyway, so this is the, the Henry Cavill physique episode. Yeah, I but... highly recommend people listen to this just like Googling photos <laughs> yeah. of Chris Hemsworth shirtless because there is, I have Googled Chris Hemsworth shirtless and I, I'm sure this will change over time, but there are shots of him when he is not filming and he looks as big as Henry Cavill does normally. Or like, um, this came up recently with Jason Momoa because of the whole dad bod thing, which was hilarious because he is, he's, he's oh, like, show me the he's dad. like 11 percent body fat still in that image like all yeah. like he, he looks some sit-ups and like <laughs> run around the block and he's gonna have his abs popping out so in case everyone doesn't feel bad enough about themselves already um jason momoa not in movie shape looks like a ufc fighter yeah <laughs> just because he's like always rock climbing and stuff but um that might almost be a more a better comparison for for this whole conversation but anyway so i i really want to know if Nick McKinless was um, was described as uh, if Snyder told him he wanted skin like paper and vein like worms, I want to know how he described that to Cavill. I think that'd be a cool thing if uh, if you want to tweet at us what yep. how it, that the skin like paper veins like <laughs> worms version of Cavill's physique. How would you describe that? <laughs> Henry Cavill had a or like a He Man figure up on the wall <laughs> as he was lifting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we should talk about the minute from this yeah. movie. You should just cut like 90% of us talking about Cavill and just stick that entire conversation at the end. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. 